Welcome to NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group. Chris Murray is not here. It's Alex Margulies and Brian Samudio. Chris is at home taking care of two sick kids and a sick wife, but uh, he will check in with us via Skype. One of the crazy things about this business is we'll see that if he's going to beat this flu, you can do it. Yeah, I hope he does. Hasn't hit him oh yet. Oh my gosh, it sounds like hasn't hit terrible. him yet. He's beaten it. Good he's, for him, man. Yeah. I need to figure out what he's doing. Like, like what's his regimen to stay away from? I mean, he's basically like in a super infested zone and yeah. he has been able to, to to hold off the flu. Yeah, he, he's so. been quarantined to this bedroom and, you know, <laughs> apparently Dominic, his little boy, is getting better pulling out of it and his which last check was uh, messing up the room with Legos. But, uh, yeah, we'll check in with Chris <laughs> and talk about uh, Nevada men's basketball's big win over UNLV down south. Uh, that was that was a nice victory. Pack women with a win at Lawler Event Center over the Rebels as well. Uh, we're going to show you Reno 1868's brand-new kits Julian Delgadio, of course, the fashionista, was very excited about that. And uh, bet or no bet, a few different things. And uh, the Astros apologized. Yeah. Do we accept Did they? It? Yeah, well, they apologized. Yeah, but yeah is that enough, though? Uh, I, no, I don't think so. I'm just saying that they apologized. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's but, bull. Yeah, it's more than bull. Yeah. Uh, let's get to uh, Nevada and UNLV. Wolfpack with an 82-79 win in overtime. Biggest win of the season? It's right up there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you'd have to say yes because it's on the road. And Nevada yeah. has not been a team that has had any success on the road. I mean, the only game they've won all season long on the road this year was at Air Force, and it was their first Mountain West game back on December 7th. So they've had a lull of two months without picking up a victory away from Lawler Event Center. And if they don't get this win, it's an uphill climb to finish in the top five. Now that they have this win, they're, they're almost a lock. I mean, they, as long as they can take care of business in the games at home especially, yeah. uh, get a win at, a, on the road at Wyoming, and they're in very good shape right now to – finish in the top five, and there's still an outside chance this team can finish in second. Uh, they're in a tie for second, a three-way tie with Utah State and Boise State. Unfortunately for Nevada, the way the schedules work out, that they're not going to have a chance in the tiebreakers with those two teams because Utah yeah. State's not coming to Nevada uh, and the way it works out with Boise State. But this was huge, and I think it was big because Nevada did it without shooting the ball great from the outside. Mm -hmm. This was something I said yesterday. It's kind of a guarantee Nevada shoots well from distance. Uh, they didn't do that in this game. They made only six threes, yet they were still able to beat UNLV, and they did it with toughness. They did it with grit uh, and big plays like this. Jazz Johnson knocking down shots. Niz getting an offensive rebound. Guys pulling down rebounds, fighting for balls on the ground and yeah. winning possessions and winning possession arrows in overtime. It was a great basketball game. This was an absolute street fight between two teams, two rivals, and it's one of those games, and, and people say, you know, you hate to see somebody have to lose this game. If you're from north of Beatty, you're probably rooting for one team, and <laughs> you're probably rooting for another if they're in 702. But, you know, this this was absolutely a great way to finish here. That three uh, attempt at the end to to try and see, uh, tie it, but uh, didn't happen. And Nevada ends up winning this one 82-79. to You had a chance to check in with head coach Steve Alford and Jalen Harris. Here's part of that interview from the upcoming Wolfpack All Access. Coach, your team gets their first road win since December. You top UNLV in what was an incredible basketball game. Uh, what did it take to get this done? Well, just really proud of our guys, for one, and, and really proud of both teams, to be honest with you. That, that was just a great college basketball game. I thought both teams played extremely hard. We just happened to get one more stop and one more score. Uh, it, two teams that I thought really laid it all out on the line, did a lot of good things. They obviously are number one ranked offensive rebound team in, in the league, and they showed it again tonight with 21. Uh, but we got to the free throw line. We made our free throws. We made some really key plays down the stretch. 
Jalen Harris plays all 45 minutes. Jazz makes a huge three. We just made some really big plays. And, and, and then our guards, you know, you see what Jalen and Lindsey did on the backboard. Uh, that's hard to do from the guard position. And I thought our bigs grew up, especially in the second half. So it was just a tremendous win for us. It was a, it's hard. It's hard to win on the road, and this was a big one for us. All right, we're joined now by Jalen Harris after that thrilling win over UNLV, an incredible victory for the Wolfpack, their first road win since December. And Jalen, an overtime thriller. Does it get any better than that, taking down your rivals like that on the road? Uh, it definitely feels good, man. Always feels good to get a win. Feels better to get a road win, and it feels even better to get a road win over your rival. So we went in, we focused, and for, we had to play a little longer than we wanted to, but we pulled it out. Jalen, what did it take for your team to get this done? I mean, there were so many big plays down the stretch. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of big plays. You know, collectively as a group, a lot of people stepped up. And then, you know, in crunch time, we, we came through, we pulled together, and we got the win. What was your mentality like in those last couple of minutes, even before overtime and then into overtime? I mean, how do you kind of handle the pressure of those moments? What are you telling yourself? Uh, we just talk about being a tougher team. You know, coach preaches it in practice every day and in the huddles. And so we went out there and we knew we had to grind. We knew it was going to be a war. And so we pulled it out in the last five minutes. You can catch the rest of that interview on uh, Sunday on uh, Wolfpack All Access. Uh, Jalen Harris' stat line was just absolutely wacky. Off the charts. I mean, 0 for 8 from 3, mm -hmm. still scores 29 points, ends up with 14 rebounds in the ball game. Mm -hmm. This guy is playing as well as anybody I've ever covered at the University of Nevada. Yeah, I mean, Chris said on the show yesterday, it's the second best season maybe in Nevada basketball history behind Nick Fizikas. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to say any more to talk about the elite company that Jalen Harris has found himself in this season. And, and you said it, that, that stat line of not hitting a single three and then being able uh, to really still impact the game, not only with the scoring still at 29 points, had he made a free throw at the end of the game, he yeah. actually would have gotten 30 again yeah. for the fifth straight game and rattled out, unfortunately, for him, but didn't diminish uh, his impact in the basketball game. He was the guy down the stretch. Uh, and, and again, Jazz Johnson made huge plays. Mm. And talk about getting him back healthy because he hit some clutch threes. Nevada was, was fighting to stay alive there late. And uh, kind of like we've seen from Jazz over the last two years, when you need a three, he's your guy. You saw that miss by Jalen Harris. And again, Niz gets the rebound, finds Jazz in the corner. That gave Nevada the lead in the overtime, and they would not give it up uh, after that. But... You know, th this is just a, a team that's really impressing me with, with the way they're evolving as the season goes on. And I give them a chance to win almost any game they play because of two things I've said all year. They defend the three, which they did incredibly well against UNLV, and they make threes. They're still in the top ten in both made threes. They're six in the NCAA, and they're seven in the NCAA in defending the three-point line. You do those two things well enough you give yourself a chance to win every single night you go play basketball. you got a trip coming up on Monday, headed back to Albuquerque, back down to the pit. This will be the first time that Steve Alford will return to the pit, place where he won half a dozen championships with the Lobos. I mean, you could argue that took them to the highest highest pinnacle of basketball that they've ever been at in, in New Mexico. Uh, that's going to be a 6 o'clock tip-off on ESPNU against the Lobos. What kind of a reception do you think he'll get? I don't know. I'm actually very curious to see. I, I think... I think most people will uh, give him some appreciation, show him some love and just respect what he made, what he did for that city for, for the 10 years he was there or whatever it was. And, and like you said, putting them on the map. Mm. Um, but this is going to be no doubt an emotional game for both Coach Alford and Coach Neal, for Corey Alford, 
who spent a lot of time in, in, in Albuquerque. Uh, I, I think this is going to be one that's going to hit a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And then when they walk down that tunnel into the pit again uh, and kind of look around and, and kind of just take a deep breath, I'm sure it's going to be uh, a lot of nostalgia. And I, I think I recall hearing on the coaches show earlier this week that Coach Alford said he was planning on wearing a purple a purple jacket because mm -hmm. it's a combination of red, red and, blue. and blue and try and just kind of respect both teams that he is, uh, you know, now new, newly with the Wolfpack, but giving some love as well to, to New Mexico. But mm -hmm. I, I can't wait to get down to the pit. Maybe this is the first time Nevada goes down there and wins uh, in a very long time. It, it was not a pleasant experience last year, mm -hmm. uh, Brian, when we were there uh, last year under head coach Eric Musselman. It is an absolute hornet's nest. Different, I think, seen this year. Mm -hmm. You know, Nevada yeah. was ranked last year. New Mexico has been very down, especially in the absence uh, of Braggs. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a really neat experience to be a part of, and, and I, I can't wait to be down there. I mean, the Lobo faithful are a very educated fan base, and they remember, and they remember the Jordan-Caroline game. Mm -hmm. They remember that comeback yep. game where Nevada was dead, yep. dead in the water, and Jordan-Caroline brought them back from literally um, the coffin and uh, to come back and beat the Lobos. But uh, these guys will be taking off chills, man. on Monday. Oh, unbelievable. That game. unbelievable memories. But, uh, yeah, always a lot of fun. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Chris Murray will join us via Skype. We're going to talk Wolfpack men's and women's basketball. The ladies with a big win over the Rebels at home. You know, Alex, I'm still just grinding over this one stat from this game. Uh, the win over UNLV, Jalen Harris goes for 29 points, and he's 0 for 8 from 3. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to have to dig deep into the archives to see the last time someone went at least 0 for 8 from beyond the arc and scored that many points. Yeah, I think it shows a lot of growth by him. Yeah. I think it shows that he's able to score in so many different ways and that he's not someone that's going to let poor shooting from the outside deter him. It's not going to ha have him stop taking those outside right. shots. And if that is a team with only six made threes. There's not going to be very many games Nevada wins, especially on the road, by making only six three-point shots. But they did it because they defended the three-point line uh, as well as they did and, and really forced UNLV to take the outside shot because they were great inside the arc. Uh, and I think that was a, a huge factor in this game. And I think this is a confidence-building win because of that, because mm -hmm. your, your star player scores 29, but he did it by driving and by getting the twos and, and figuring out other ways to score uh, when that outside shot wasn't hitting. If there's somebody who's going to find that stat, it's our own Chris Murray. And let's check in with Chris, who is now at St. Murray's Hospital. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, kidding, kidding, kidding. Going The flu uh, flu bug is uh, really busting through the Murray household right now. You're okay, though. You're still fighting it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not even fighting anything. I'm, I'm living great. I don't understand why I've been so healthy through this process. But, uh, yeah, my son was coughing all over my face last night, was up for most of the night. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm still feeling good. Uh, and uh, I'm sure Wolfpack fans are feeling good as well. I mean, as you guys mentioned with Jalen's game last night, uh, you know, he doesn't quite get the 30 and continue that streak, but he was only the fourth player since 2000 to have a game with at least 20 points, uh, 10 rebounds, and five assists, and only the 11th player in full history to do that. So, yeah, it was just very encouraging to see Nevada have such a poor shooting night and still win a game. I mean, their six made threes. Uh, that was the third fewest threes they've made in the game this season. It's the fewest threes they've made in a win. Uh, so to be able to overcome a bad shooting night and still go out there and win a game on the road, I mean, it, to me, it was the biggest win of the season. If they lose that game, they're sixth in the Mountain West. With the win, they're tied for second in the Mountain West. So that was just a gigantic effort beyond, obvi obviously, the rivalry implications. 
to be able to go out there and not play a great game overall, but still have the toughness uh, to go out and win a game, which is what Coach Alford talked about a lot this season, is he wants to see that his team is tough on the road, and it displayed that last night. Chris, what did you make of Nevada's performances uh, from their bigs? K.J. Himes, John Carlos Reyes, Robbie Robinson. Uh, Nevada's uh, big guys have been a little maligned this year at times. Uh, the stat sheet wasn't, wasn't uh, crazy for them, but I kind of thought, especially for K.J., there was some progress. I mean, you look at plus-minus, and he was plus-16 mm. in that win last night. Uh, what did you make of just the way they were able to compete against a much bigger UNLV team? Yeah, that was the stat that stuck out to me when I was looking at the, the stat sheet this morning. I didn't really notice that KJ had such a large impact when he was on the floor, but I mean, that's a huge plus minus. Uh, you know, I think they've been a solid group this year. They're not going to really go out there and necessarily win you games. Nevada's backcourt still won this game with Jalen having his game, with Jazz and Nisra in double figures, with Lindsey Drew having 13, 14 rebounds. Um, so, you know, the backcourt is still what's winning and losing games for Nevada. Uh, but, uh, you know, some of those guys did play pretty well. I mean, Zane didn't have the kind of game that he wanted to have and didn't get a ton of minutes in the second half. Um, so Nevada turns to John Carlos Reyes and Robbie Robinson and K.J. Himes. And, uh, you know, they were able to come up with some big plays. You know, I, I think when you look at this game, you don't want to read too much into the stat sheet because you just want to say, OK, did you make the winning plays when the game was on the line, which Nevada has not done in, in a, a number of games this season? They were able to go out there and do that. And that's what tournament basketball is going to be all about. I mean, people don't care what you shot from the field in a Mountain West tournament game or an NCAA tournament game. They care whether you won or lost. And to me, this game had a bit of a tournament feel. Obviously, this is where the Mountain West tournament is going to be held. Uh, and Nevada just did the things that they had to do, made the plays, got the defensive stops, dove on the floor. They were just gritty enough to get past UNLV. And UNLV, uh, you know, they played really, really hard as well. And I'm sure they look at the stat sheet and they say, you know, 12 of 25 mm -hmm. free throws. If we just make you know, four or five more, you know, yep. we easily win this game. So, um, you know, I, I think you need to give credit to UNLV as well because that's not a team that just in terms of talent uh, is where it usually is as a program. Uh, but they played exceptionally hard in that game. And, and to me, that's one of the, you know, top five or ten games in the rivalry's 91-game history. It was just really fun to see two teams needing a win so badly and going head-to-head. -head. And unfortunately for the Wolfpack, they ended up on top. Uh, Coach Alford had a lot of complimentary things to say about UNLV in the postgame afterwards as well. Uh, what's, what do you make of this Rebels team? Uh, Nevada's now seen them twice. Uh, TJ Otzelberger in his first season as well, um, coming in uh, from a smaller program. And, and a lot of people were unsure, was he the right guy to kind of lead UNLV into the future? To me, it seems like this is a team that's playing harder than they did under Marvin Menzies and, and maybe is in better shape to grow here over the next couple of years, considering how well I think they're playing with the lack of, of talent, as you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, he uh, inherited a pretty similar situation to Coach Alford in terms of basically everybody on the team was in the transfer portal. So he was just trying to put things together as quickly as possible. This is not the style of basketball that he wants to play. He wants to play up tempo. He wants to shoot a lot of threes. He can't with this team. They have to play a lot slower. They have to, uh, you know, back off their threes. And I think that's where they fell into some trouble last night is they continued to shoot threes, even though they're not a good three-point shooting team. So he clearly doesn't have the personnel that he wants and will get in place. Uh, you know, when he has a couple of years to put this roster together. But I, I would agree that the team plays very hard for him. I think that's a great sign for a coach. If you can get your guys to play hard, you're going to win some games uh, no matter who you have out there. I mean, they're playing two guys who are walk-ons, former walk-ons, you know, large, large minutes. So the talent of the roster uh, will get better uh, and will become, uh, you know, one of the upper echelons in the Mountain West. He's already done a very good job in recruiting. He brought David Jenkins um, from South Dakota State where he was coaching previously. That guy is going to be a first or second team all Mountain West player next year after – having to sit out this season. So they're going to get a lot better. And I think 
I think it would be great if UNLV and Nevada were continually among the top teams in the Mountain West in any sport. You don't see it very often where both teams are good at the same time. So, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit hesitant about the hire because of how much it cost UNLV to make that hire and the fact they only gave Marvin Menzies three years. Um, I think TJ is a solid coach. Will he get them to that next level? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, it is crazy to think that UNLV, the last time they won a conference championship, you have to go back all the way to 1999-2000, the first year of the Mountain West. They were in a tie with Utah at 10-4 atop the conference. So it's been a long time since this was a team that was winning conference championships in the regular season, which to me is the best proof of the best teams in the conference. So, uh, you know, he has a tough test ahead of him because a lot of fans in UNLV, their expectations are, uh, you know, a lot more grandiose than what they've been able to accomplish of late. You go back to since uh, Jerry Tarkanian uh, was released from his job at UNLV. Nevada's actually won more games against UNLV. So, uh, you know, Nevada's certainly been the better program the last 25 years. Can TJ get them? Uh, you know, above Nevada, I think it'll be a fun battle. I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth, mostly 50-50 games uh, moving forward because I do think both of these coaches running these programs are very good at their job. We want to talk about the women too, but uh, before we get to that, because they got a big win over yeah. UNLV at Lawler Event Center uh, on uh, Wednesday night, but uh, this bye week almost comes at a perfect time, if you ask me. The guys, you know, Jalen Harris played 45 minutes in this game. Uh, Jazz Johnson played 41 minutes in this game. I know these are young mm -hmm. athletes that are in their early 20s, but by the time you get to it, they play 26 games. The grind of the season, could this buy have come at any uh, better time, Chris? No, I think it's a great time because not only the overtime game, uh, you have a quick turnaround. You're playing a Tuesday game at New Mexico, which is a road trip. Uh, it is kind of funny because we have seen Jalen's minutes extended of late. Coach Alford has talked about, you know, I don't want to get these guys, uh, you know, too many minutes. I want to keep them fresh. Uh, and, you know, playing 31, 32, 33 minutes is a lot. Like most of the players at Nevada are used to playing 37, 38 minutes under Coach Musselman. So I think these guys can handle it. Um, but I do think that you saw in this game that, that they could be fresh for 45 minutes. I think uh, the fact that he has continued to play his bench, whether it's 10 minutes for Kane Milling or 15 minutes for Zane Meeks, or, you know, giving Nistre Zouzois a larger role, that's going to pay off come March. Nevada is going to be a much fresher team in the Mountain West Tournament than we saw the last two seasons. Obviously, Nevada came up short, uh, losing in the Mountain West Tournament semifinals as the best team in the Mountain West each of the last two years, uh, and really came up short in the NCAA Tournament last year. I think a lot of that was because those guys were just so completely dog-tired, and I don't feel like, despite Nevada having a shorter rotation because they only have nine available scholarship players, I don't feel like this team is going to be quite as, as spent going into the most important games of the season. All right, let's move over to the women's side. Got to give credit to Amanda Levin's squad. 62-59 win over UNLV at home on Wednesday night. They lost by two down at the uh, the Costco. That's when the ladies play down in uh, Southern Nevada at UNLV. Uh, Marguerite Effa just continues to be the the grad transfer senior we expected out of uh, USC. 14 points in 19 minutes in this one. Essence Booker and uh, Nia Alexander both with 11. Um, this was a big win, and you could tell at the end how emotionally attached this team was. This was a, a rivalry game, and uh, you know they had the blackout going. Uh, you could tell this is a team that really needed to get this one. Yeah, and a team that had struggled to close out opponents in the final couple of minutes. Nevada women's uh, team has played a lot of really close games, and more often than not, they've been on the wrong side of the ledger. In this game, they were actually able to finish a game, and I think you have to credit the bench. I think the bench scored 32 points. Uh, Nevada turned the ball over way more than they would like to, but it was able to overcome it because it got a number of great performances off the bench. Uh, you, you mentioned Effa right there. I mean, she's been tremendous no matter what role she's been in. She went into the starting lineup when Amani Lacey had the concussion, moved back to the bench a couple of games ago, and she's been terrific. And I think this is kind of what we expected with Coach Levin's team. You've seen each of our first two years at Nevada, 
they get really you know good at the end of February, the beginning of March. They peak at the right time. Uh, you know, they made it all the way to the Mountain West Championship in the tournament uh, in her first year. Last year, they they won a game in the Mountain West Tournament and almost beat Boise State, the eventual champion. So, uh, you know, not unexpected that this team, because it was young, but also because of the coaching staff, playing its best ball when it matters the most. I mean, a three-game winning streak might not seem like a huge number, but it is tied for the longest three-game winning streak or winning streak of the season. Uh, they won the first three games of the year. Uh, I think this has been against better competition, so a little bit more impressive. So uh, just great to see them be able to go out there and win a close game. And I think that does build some confidence that when they get in that situation, they actually can go out and, and walk off the field winners uh, and, you know, make the biggest plays in the, in the you know, gut of the game. You know what I like too, Brian, is that of the three games during this streak, Two of the three are against two of the top four teams in the Mountain West. San Jose State, 9-4 and four this year. Nevada goes and beats them on the road and then taking care of UNLV at home. UNLV right now in fourth place in the Mountain West. Nevada now sliding up into seventh place after winning three in a row. So it's not inconceivable this team could maybe find a way to jump into the top five. It's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. They probably have to win out. Uh, but this is, as, as Chris was just saying, I mean, this team is really playing their best basketball now. Uh, and like, like they've done before, this team could get hot at the right time. They've got the talent. Yeah. They're just young. But now maybe there's some confidence, especially late in games, to be able to finish. Pack women return to the floor on Wednesday at home. That's uh, the 19th. If you want to check it out, uh, we'll have it for you right here on Nevada Sportsnet. That is a 6.30 p.m. tip-off. If you want to check it out in person, of course, NevadaWolfPack.com or 348-PACK uh, to get your tickets. Chris. Stick around in the Fortress of Solitude. We're going to have you back here in a little bit for bet or no bet. Is that okay? Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, the unveiling of the brand new kits of Reno 1868. What do you think? We're going to show them to you next. The kits have been unveiled. Uh, if you don't know what a kit is, that's a uniform in soccer terms. I mean, it's not a field, it's a pitch. It's not a uniform, it's a kit. Yep. And uh, the home and aways were, uh, were uh, unveiled. I, I, like the, uh, I like the infusion of a little of that, mm -hmm. that yellow kind of, we were talking literally during that, that hype video, that it looks like the mountains kind of brings that back a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's cool to see version three now of, of this kit. And there's the whites, those are the roads. A uh, little bit of a, a different style. I actually like those more, I think, than last year. And, and you said it, you get the yellow, and then it also kind of brings back the outline of the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I love kind of bringing that, that kind of feel of northern Nevada and the mountains and the Sierra Nevada range and, and all that kind of stuff uh, to, to the kits. So uh, it was a fun event last night. A lot of fans came out, uh, even some autographs uh, there. There was a Q&A session, and, and fans got to, to talk to some of the new players that have recently been signed with, with the club. And... and Hard to believe this thing's getting going so soon. The 29th, a mm. friendly uh, against the San Diego Loyal, a team led by Landon Donovan. Unbelievable. Up to Northern Nevada. That's going to kind of kick things off. So there's a lot of excitement building for another season of soccer in, in uh, downtown Reno. We had a chance to catch up with uh, some of the guys as well as assistant coach Casey Tate about the new kits and what they like about it. 
All right, you saw the new kits, uh, just your initial reaction, they're pretty sweet, right? Yeah, they're great. I mean, every year we come in, we're excited, nobody's seen them yet, and it's always a lot of fun when we see them, they always look really good, so we're excited about them. Oh, I love them, I love them. You look at the blue and yellow, I mean, it just looks good, sharp, good kits again. Like, I think they always do a good job with getting us uh, some proper kits, and it's exciting for the fans to wear and see them in the streets, we love it, so looks good. Kind of the uh, unofficial kickoff that, hey, yeah. this is happening, and uh, we're going to be televising. You'll be on the call once again here on Nevada Sportsnet, televising home games for Reno 1868. Yeah, it's, it's been such a pleasure to be a part of this team since the beginning and, and have these games on Nevada Sportsnet. They're so exciting, and this team has been one of the absolute best in the United Soccer League. When you talk about wins uh, for an expansion franchise, it matches what – the, the most ever in the USL. Uh, and it's a team that consistently puts out a winner on the pitch. They've got an amazing head coach with Ian Russell. They've got a great front office led by, led by uh, Doug Raftery and, and Eric Edelstein. And, and I know they've got another exciting group of guys that is a, it's just really thrilled uh, to kind of showcase what they can do and, and keep Reno a team that is a playoff uh, team and uh, a contender uh, for a USL championship every year. March 29th, OKC Energy, correct? Uh, first game, uh, 229 is, is the friendly. February 29th. Uh, the first actual home regular season yes. opener, March 14th. 14th is our first televised exactly, game. Exactly, down there at, uh, at Greater Nevada Field. We won't have the, uh, the friendly televised, but the, the game on the 14th of March, the opener at uh, home opener for the regular season. We will sure have that. If you're looking to get uh, season tickets, Reno1868FC.com or just cruise on down to the beautiful downtown box office there at Greater Nevada Field. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, a couple of little uh, controversial topics we want to get into. The Houston Astros, they're apologizing. How many people are taking that apology? And Colin Kaepernick, he owns his own publishing company now, and he wants to write his memoir. Well, it's a story that, uh, honestly, in, in our area, there are so many differing opinions on Colin Kaepernick and his legacy at the University of Nevada, his legacy at the 49ers, his legacy after NFL football. And now um, he is going to be publishing a memoir. Um, he, owns a, uh, he owns a publishing company, and he said, quote, I want to tell the story of my evolution and how he has... Uh, has, has changed as a person, as a man, and what are his life experiences that led Kaepernick to risk his career as an NFL quarterback in one silent act of protest kneeling during the national anthem? Would you read this? I think so, yeah. I, I'd like it. to hear his perspective and, and just kind of his unfiltered uh, view on this whole deal and, and not, you know, the way he does an interview maybe gets edited a certain way or the way, you know, things want to be portrayed by whether it's an agent, whether it's a team, uh, this is a chance for him to kind of give his own voice to the deal. Uh, it's still so disappointing that the guy isn't playing football because he's, I think, still talented. But, you know, maybe that window is closing on him as he gets older. And, mm -hmm. and is he still uh, a capable player? You can see the arm yeah. at his workout there uh, a couple months back when he was working out for NFL teams, which was kind of turned into a joke. Yeah. Uh, there was some stuff about the XFL, but, of course, He's going to want more money, and understandably so, than, than what they're willing to pay. But, yeah, yeah I'm interested in checking it out. Uh, he told USA Today on Tuesday, quote, my desire to play football is still there. I still train five days a week. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for a phone call, tryout, workout at any point in time. I'm still waiting on the owners and their partners to stop running from the situation. Uh, so I hope I get a call this offseason. I'll be looking forward to it, end quote. Colin Kaepernick telling that to USA Today on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I think it's over. And that's been my, my thoughts on this. Even before this 
tryout, which didn't end up being a tryout. Mm -hmm. It was uh, jumbled on both sides. It depends on who you want to, who you believe. You've got one side saying one thing, one side saying another. But Colin Kaepernick going to be publishing a memoir. I, I would like to read it just because I want to hear his side of this, and I want to hear if anything goes all the way back to Reno. Mm -hmm. I want to know if anything goes all the way back, and I do. It does. It does go back to Reno. There are some things in there that uh, I think are going to come out that uh, that happened happened here in Nevada. Um, Houston Astros. Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve, two of the faces of the franchise, um, apologized today in West Palm Beach, Florida, at their spring training facility about the scandal, the sign-stealing scandal, um, if you want to call it trash can gate or buzzer gate or whatever's ever eventually not going to be proven or not, what will or will not be proven. Um, is this just too shallow, too little, too late? Is there enough? I mean, they have to apologize. I don't blame them for saying they're sorry. Like, yeah. And I, I imagine they are remorseful. But what I don't get is, like, why, why aren't any players being punished? Mm -hmm. I mean, is it just so widespread that they'd have to punish the entire team? Well, then screw it. Punish the entire team. I mean, they have to do something to punish the players. Mm -hmm. Because right now, there has been nothing, nothing to deter the players from doing what they did. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, they haven't lost money, they haven't lost notoriety, they haven't lost endorsements. So what they did is going completely unpunished, except for a little slap on the hand and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not really okay with that. And I, I again, I, I think there's a sincerity behind the apology. I don't think this is just, you know, lip, lip service, but there's got to be something. Mm. Got to be something. It can't just be... We're going to strip them of, of a little bit of money and some draft picks and, okay, the managers are getting fired. But what, what about the players? I, I, there just has to be more accountability. That's, on that that's the word. That's the word I keep saying is accountability. Got to be something. has man. to be some sort of punishment here. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing was wrong. They mm -hmm. knew what they were doing was above, oh, just calling a sign or maybe yeah. picking a move of a pitcher or something like this. This is, this is completely, completely different. Um, here are Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve this morning at the spring training practice facility of the Astros. I am really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I have learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I also will be brief. We had a great uh, team meeting last night, and I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in in 2017, <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the game of baseball. And our team is determined to to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in in 2020. I feel like the Astros become kind of a laughing stock of baseball. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Become. I mean, and how long do they, are they the laughing stock of baseball? Mm -hmm. Like, if they go to the playoffs this year. Everyone's just going to be like, oh, okay, what are they doing now? Are they cheating again? It just, it just, it just kind of feels a little sickening. Mm -hmm. It does. It, it was taken such a far extent. Uh, it's, it's hard to wrap my mind around, but you have to imagine everywhere they go on the road this year, those boos are going to be, be coming in loud. It's going to be nasty. There's no doubt. And I, I want, I, you hope things don't happen, but it's just, you have to think that people are going to be extremely extremely upset when they see the, this Astros team come to their hometown. This whole thing has become a punchline, and it even surfaced on the Wolfpack Radio Coaches Show earlier this week with uh, Craig Neal, assistant coach, and head coach Steve Alford. Take a listen to this, talking about the sign-stealing scandal, and maybe they can help John Ramey understand his own defense with it. <laughs> it's a little bit... Yeah, maybe we do something like the Astros. 
I'll bang You'll something, bang. <laughs> and if I bang it, it means zone. All right, I'll just bang on something, and, and that I'll means push, zone, and, and you can go with zone. And, and I'll push the buzzer, and it'll hit you on the shoulder. That's good. And I'll know. Okay. <laughs> You'll know this. Nevada basketball fans. We want you to look good, John, <laughs> here, as <laughs> much as we can. As long as the priorities are straight. <laughs> so, I mean, having fun with it, but uh, at the same time, it is a, it's a black market for baseball once again. And I, uh, I just don't think it's been enough. I don't think so either. Yeah. Coming up next on NSN Daily Bet or No Bet, NFL Major League Baseball rules and Alex swimming with a great white shark. da na 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 Kidding me? All right, every Thursday we break out bets or no bets. Would you be... A, in favor of this, would you be opposed to this? And of course, we have to bring back Chris Murray for this one. Uh, can, I, of, can I ask one before you get into yeah, our of list of questions? Bet yeah. or no bet, does Chris eventually get sick? I don't want to be a jerk here, but I know there's an Gosh, incubation period for like flus. Like this thing has uh, to hit you. Like like the odds are it has to hit you at some point, right? Like what's the uh, is that yeah, bet or no bet? The odds are probably not in my favor. But I'm gonna go no bet. I mean, the kids <laughs> started getting sick on Saturday, Sunday, so they're toward the tail end. Uh, so I think I'm good so far. I've taken some risks, you know, been using the same cups and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I have been a little bit, uh, you know, I, I've not been as cautious as I should be. So uh, hopefully it doesn't hit me. I'm going to go with no bet. I'm going to say no bet because Chris has got that dad immune system. I'm going to say no bet. Uh, a couple of baseball questions are going to start off here. You know, Major League Baseball is considering changing its playoff format. Chris, I know you've looked at this where it'll raise the number of teams involved from 10 to 14 and some teams will get to pick their opponents. Yeah. Is this blasphemy? I'm looking at the Dodgers mug <laughs> over your shoulder, and I'm saying no bet for me. Uh, yeah, definitely no bet. I mean, it's a 162-game season, and then you're going to put in 14 of the 30 teams into the playoffs. I already think that the playoffs are a little bit watered down with 10 teams mm -hmm. getting in with the, you know two wild cards. I just feel like uh, you know, you're devaluing what you do over uh, basically six or seven months. Uh, and just by putting everybody into the playoffs. Now, could it create a little bit more, uh, you know, fan ratings, interest, more playoff games, more revenue, all that stuff? Yes. But uh, to me, I want to see the best team win the World Series. And by adding more teams into the playoffs, you're not going to get that. So no bet for me. I go no bet, too. I mean, I, I like all the things you're saying. I mean, if you're a team that's kind of hanging in there, mm -hmm. it makes the season more interesting towards the end. And baseball, let's face it, is one of those sports where – maybe the 14th best team that gets in actually wins the World Series. Yeah. That stuff does happen. So I think of all the sports that maybe it would actually work in baseball where a team could kind of come out of nowhere and get hot at the right time. That's kind of one of the unique things I feel like about the sport. But I, I just think you got to earn it. You, and I think, I think you're right, Chris. I think it's already too many teams now. 14, that's a big no bet for me. 3-0, no bet. Second uh, baseball rule that uh, they're considering. Now this one that's actually going in this year, starting this year, Major League Baseball is announcing that in 2020, both starting and relief pitchers must face a minimum of three batters or until the offensive team is put out or if the pitcher gets out of the inning, meaning mm -hmm. kind of that left-handed specialist to come in and get a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter um, would go away. You can't just do that, uh, Chris, unless an injury forces a player from a game. Better no bet. Uh, I'm going to bet. I like it. I mean, you are really hurting the careers of loogies, so those are guys who are – uh, referred to as loogies they're basically left-handed relief pitchers who just come in to face a lefty and then leave the game but th there are just too many relief pitcher changes as is people are talking about speeding up the pace of the game making it more interesting uh whenever you have a pitching change you have a commercial break and that really does elongate things so i'm cool with this one uh you know i think 
uh, if you can't, you know, pitch the three batters, maybe you don't deserve a, a spot on a major league roster. So, oh, Phil Nevin. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. Phil Nevin yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, no, I, I like it. I think it'll speed up the game a little bit, and it's really not changing the integrity of the game. So I'll, I'll bet on that one. Oh, man. I'm, I'm pretty torn on I'm this one. I'm split on this one. I'm pretty myself. torn on this one. I, I kind of like being able to go to, like, your lefty specialist to get mm-hmm. you out of a jam. Um, but, man, games are just so long. Yeah. I, th- I think in an effort to – shorten the length of games, I reluctantly will say bet. Mm. I'm right on the boat with you because I'm going to say I am a traditionalist. I want the strategy. Mm. I love managers that can just outthink each other in this yeah. chess game. But at the same time, the games are way too long. So, uh, yeah, I'll say bet on uh, a one-year basis. And we'll talk in a year and see if we like okay. it or not. Uh, switching to the NFL, three months after being suspended indefinitely, Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett is back in the NFL. Now has been reinstated by Commissioner Roger Goodell. He'd been serving an indefinite, indefinite suspension since November 11, November 14th, when he took the helmet off and of Mason Garrett and then hit him with it. But which you know in the parking lot, that's a felony, that's assault. But on the football assault, field, brother. that's assault, brother. Um, bet or no bet? Is this uh, too? Light of a punishment or too heavy of a punishment? Uh, I like it. I, it was, what, five, six games? Is that what it ended up being? I mean, that's something six that you games. can't do on the field. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an egregious thing where you should be penalized a pretty decent chunk of time. But, um, you know, we, we talked when it happened, you know, did Mason Rudolph right there try and pull his helmet off? And, you know, you could hurt a guy's neck that way. And, uh, you know, the response was not appropriate. You don't take somebody's helmet off and try and beat him over the head with it. But it actually did happen in a preseason game this this past year, and the guy only got two games. Uh, so, you know, getting six games seems pretty stiff to me. So I'll bet on allowing Miles Garrett to return to the NFL after, you know, sitting those six games out. I'm going to go no bet, man. I, I think you take a guy's helmet off, and, and if he makes clean contact with that guy's head, that that's nasty. That. That's, I mean, it could have been very serious. So I, I think I think a full year. Would have been my would have been my penalty. I think you just have to deter this more from happening. Six games is stiff. It's a lot of money lost, but I'm gonna go no bet. I think it should have been longer. I should. I thought it should have been a full season. Um, he lost 1.1 million dollars in game checks and was also for, uh, fined another 45 thousand dollars but i really thought that this should have been uh, i mean this is ugly this does not belong in any type of sport in the same thing on the steelers there's punches being thrown and uh and kicks being uh levied as well but uh, i i thought it should have been a full season um last one for you chris before we uh, let you get back to the day quill um <laughs> a diver off the coast of florida and alex knows florida very very yeah. well um he's out there and of course everybody's got a camera got a gopro jim kochi who's off the coast of Palm Beach and runs into this. That is a female great white shark, estimated between 15 and 20 feet long, passed by him three times, and Jim says, yeah, the shark was very friendly. The veteran diver actually believes that the shark was pregnant. He says he's been diving for more than 50 years. This is the first great white he has ever encountered. First off, um, Good luck with that, Jeb. I'm, I'm glad you've been betting, you've been doing it for 50 years and haven't run into a great white. But uh, Chris, would you swim with this thing? No, no, I would not at all. Like he's following him too. He's not swimming away from him. I don't understand that as well. As well. Like that's a 100% no bet for me. I know we did talk with uh, Marguerite Effa, the Nevada women's basketball player. She said she wanted to swim with the Sharks. Uh, you know, in our interview a couple of weeks ago. So. She'd be all for it, but uh, I'm too much of a Frady cat to do that. Like, I get scared when I go into the water, and, uh, you know, I don't want anything to have to do with the shark. So, no bet for me. Okay, so me looking at this shark, the way it's swimming slowly, I say bet I'd do it. If I knew that this is what I was going. Are you a marine biologist? If I was going in the water and I knew that this shark was going to be calm like this, bet. 
However, what if you've ticked her off and she turns on you? Well, I, I think more great white attacks happen on the surface because there's mm -hmm. a lot of flopping around. And what I've heard is when you're kind of calm and you're just kind of floating with it, they're not looking to kind of do anything with you. I mean, people go and swim with like 300 hammerhead sharks, yeah. and that's fine. I mean, they're, they're right. literally all people go all over the world to do this kind of stuff. I have actually been about five feet from a shark that was probably a third bigger than that. Oh. I was in South Africa, I went in one of those cages with great white sharks. In that case, absolute no bet because they were chumming the water and they were playing fetch with a tuna head. And this <laughs> shark was pissed and it was huge. It was girthy. I yeah. would not even come close. Although I did stick my arm out of the cage to get a better shot. And, oh, okay. and my, my wife freaked out. Do She's it like, for the gram. What do, what do you do? Gram. She freaked out when I was like kind of sticking my arm through the cage to get a better shot. She was not happy. How are me. you still married, man? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think what you're talking about, on the, edge, the flailing on the surface, and a lot of surfers, they say, are mistaken for uh, sea lions or, mm -hmm. or seals. So, uh, yeah, but uh, no bet for zero, me. I, zero bets. I, I'm, I'm an ocean guy. I love the ocean. <laughs> but I'm terrified of some of the stuff in that you ocean. Should I think it's fair. You probably should be. Yeah, yeah. probably. All right, Chris, we appreciate your time on Bet or No Bet. Take care of the kids in May, and uh, good luck with this, man. We'll see if, uh, if you're able to join us here on Friday. We may just have it. We may just do the whole Skype thing from the <laughs> Fortress of Solitude. It's definitely easier for me. Save a little gas <laughs> money, you know. I could go, go and have some lunch after this. But uh, thank you for letting me work from home this week. It, of course. Uh, uh, to, to mend up the kids. No problem, man. It's always, about, always all about the kids. We'll see you, uh, see you soon. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Caleb Martin with his first start in the NBA, and he impressed. We'll show you the highlight coming up next. Wrapping things up on NSN Daily, Caleb Martin called back to the NBA, gets his first NBA start, and uh, he put up a nice little highlight. Dropping the thunder, man. Mm -hmm. It's awesome to see this. Uh, I don't think this will look foreign to Wolfpack fans nope. watching Martin come barreling down the lane and throwing it down with the right-handed hammer, man. It's pretty sweet to see him get this opportunity. Uh, Cody right now is banged up, so why not bring the brother up and see what he can do? He's had such a phenomenal year in their G League with their team in Greensboro. And uh, it's just a story that just continues to be so awesome. We were talking about it last night with Rez and, and Julian in the office, just thinking back about the great moments of watching Caleb and Cody, and now we get to see them, you know, living out their dream, playing for their hometown team in the NBA. It just does not get any better. Always underrated, always never given a chance, always like, nah, they're not good enough. Well, they're in the NBA right now, and you know the doubters can can stay doubting. But uh, uh, Cody's out with the concussion protocol right now. Hopefully, he's back back soon. But Caleb with eight points and uh, five rebounds in the Hornets' 115-108 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves in this one. So uh, yeah, pretty exciting to see these guys. I want to I want to see Space Cam in the NBA though. Yeah, Cam no Oliver doubt, no doubt. needs to be in the NBA. He's down in Australia and he's dominating. Follow him on Twitter. You're seeing tweets of dunks left and right, and I want to see Jordan Caroline get a chance. For Alex, I'm Brian. Brian in the booth. We'll see you next time.